my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace thank you for this love Lord and thank you for the nail pierced hands wash me in your cleansing flow now all I know your forgiveness and embrace worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne we crown you now with many crowns you reign victorious high and lifted up Jesus Son of God the treasure of heaven crucified oh, worthy is the Lamb oh, worthy is the future 
shall not be moved. And Jesus is my Savior, I shall not be moved. In His love and favor, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. In my Christ abiding, I shall not be moved. And in His love I'm hiding, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. No, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be word I'm feeding, I shall not be moved, and he's the one that's leading, I shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved, oh now glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. I'm anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. And no, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. No, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree. That's planted by the waters I shall not be moved Just like a tree Just like a tree That's planted by the waters No, I shall not be moved Amen We'll go ahead and uh, change the order of the service here And we'll go before the Lord with some needs that we have. Before we do that, let's put it in the key of C. And let's sing um, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And in fact, we might just put it in B flat, I think. So great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see, and all I have needed, Thy hand hath provided, and great is Thy faithfulness, no 
sin and the peace that endured thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings softly. I just have a few prayer requests here this evening. Uh, we just want to remember Brother Ben McCafferty and the family. They are not here. They're not feeling well. So if we could just remember them. I also have here that uh, Brother Andy Irish uh, is requesting prayer. His mother passed uh, today. So if we could just remember him and the family today. Uh, also, I have here that um, Brother Barry did arrive safely in Istanbul and uh, spending the night there, and we'll be traveling the rest of the way tomorrow, so if we could just remember him. And also uh, a couple requests uh, for myself, a couple of co-workers, one being a manager of mine and another co-worker, both had family members pass this morning and yesterday with uh, COVID and related pneumonia. So if we could just remember them, it was very unexpected. And also I meant to mention this Sunday, but uh, I failed to do it. But uh, my Aunt Karen, if we could just remember her in prayer, she's also going through a time of grieving. Uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, she had to put down her dog, and that meant a lot to her. It was like a child to her. So if we could just remember her in prayer as she goes through that. And um, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests, and if we could just raise our hands to that. I know God knows those needs. If I could have uh, Brother Johnny come at this time and pray over these needs. you'll hear our prayers, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for this assembly, Lord, and we ask that you would be with each one that's lost someone. For those, we ask that you would send an angel of grace and uh, comfort them. Father, we just want to tell you that we love you, Lord, and we want to know you more, Father. For each soul that wanted to be here, we pray that you would comfort them, Lord. And 
We just ask that your blessings would be upon each request, Lord, for those that have lost a family member and for those that are sick themselves, Lord. Pray that you'd bless my sister Connie, Lord. May you help her to recover. We just want to say that we love you and thank you, Lord. May you you bless each heart and each soul. May you bless the ministry of the word, Lord. That's what we come for. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to grant these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. I don't have any specials this evening, so we'll just sing a couple of songs before Brother Mike comes out and speaks to us. Let's put it in the key of C. Let's sing that song, Love of God. The love of God, how rich and
come for the tithes and offering. Let's put it in the key of D. For the Jeff, if you would pray over the tithes and offering.
let's put it in the key D there again, and let's sing that song, Surely the Presence. Oh, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty of angels wings I see glory on each face and surely the presence of the Lord is in this place so surely the presence of the to you this evening and God will allow us to step out of the way and I pray you just put on the gift of God. That's what makes it operate. Amen. You put on the gift and I believe God will speak to your hearts. Doesn't matter what I have written down here in front of me. I've seen them go in different directions and it sometimes it's more blessing that way than following what's down here in front of me. So just put on the gift and we'll trust God to do the rest. Amen. If you have your Bibles I'm going to invite you to turn me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. Amen. Second Timothy chapter three. Before we read our text, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to come before you tonight first and give you thanks for your grace. Thank you for allowing us once again to come into your house, to come into this place of worship, Lord, where your spirit abides and where your word goes forth, Lord, and where you are edifying and washing a bride and making her ready for your soon coming. Lord, we believe we're living in the last hours, the last moments of the last hours. And Lord, at any moment, this will all come to an end. Your bride will be taken from this earth, Lord. And Lord, that your word of the hour will be fulfilled according to the Malachi 4. And, Lord, we just thank you for what you've given us. We thank you for the inspiration of your word. We thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. So, Lord, we're coming tonight, Lord, humbly as we know how, just bowing our hearts before you, anoint us afresh once again. Lord, let us not come into this place, O oh God, as mortal beings only, but, God, let us come in here as children of God, Lord, with the gifts in us, the seed in us, the ability, O oh God, to hear the word and respond to it as you speak to us. Use the gift, Lord. Speak to your people. Lord, may your word be accomplish that what you sent it forth to do and lord i want to ask tonight you bless brother barry oh god on his travels oh god may you be with him 
And God, may he accomplish the purpose for which you sent him. Lord, be with him, anoint him. Lord, may you protect him, bring him home safely. But most of all, may your purpose be fulfilled. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You have it, say amen. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For this is the sort which are the, for this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captivity silly women laden with sins and led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's bow our heads once again. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. We believe it's, Lord, relative to the time in which we live in. God, I'm a man, Lord, I could make many mistakes, but Lord, I'm trusting you tonight. Take the gift. Take the gift and use your word. Speak to the hearts of the people. Edify them. Lord, may we be stronger when we leave here tonight than we were when we came in this early this evening. We thank you. We ask your grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to give a title, if I could, for the message, Overcoming in Perilous Times. And for a subtopic, I'd like to title it, The Power of Revelation. The power of revelation. The word overcome by itself means to or implies this victory. In order to overcome something, there's got to be some kind of obstacle. There's got to be some kind of hindrance. Something that is making an effort to prevent you from having the success that you're desiring. And so in order for you to have the success, the word overcome means that whatever the obstacle was, you were able to meet it and you were able to overcome it to achieve your objective. And, and in the scripture, it says to overcome, particularly my title is to overcome in perilous times, which means that there's a higher level of obstacles. There's a higher level of dangers that have to be navigated. Perilous times. Perilous times come from the word peril. That word peril, if you look it up in a dictionary, the dictionary meaning means to exposure to the risk of being injured, destroyed, lost or danger. So when you think about peril, you're thinking about the exposure to risk of being injured, destroyed, lost, or danger. Now, life in general has perils and has troubles. We, we experience perils all the time. If you ever close to a car accident, you know what it's like to be in a close situation where you almost was in an accident. That's a peril. That's a danger. That's, you almost had a loss. You almost had an injury. You were, for at least a moment of time, you were in, in danger, and you didn't know how that danger was going to play out. That's a peril. Right now, they're, 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 doctors are looking at my body, and they're still talking about, well, Mr. Holloway, some things are improved, some things are not improved. You're still in danger. That's a peril. That's a, that's a health issue that, as far as the medical community is concerned, is a very serious health issue. But by God's grace, I thank God he's given me a peace. I don't worry about it at night. I don't sleep, worry, I don't wake up in the morning worried about it. I go about my life because I put it in the hands of God, and I believe by God's grace, he's given me peace on a matter. So even though the doctors say it's a peril, to me, it's not really that big of a peril. Are you following me? But it is a potential loss. There's a potential danger, at least according to medical science. Are you following me? 
These things happen. We all have perils in life. We have them all the time. If you look at Paul's testimony in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about his own personal perils in life. Paul talks about thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, listen, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by the city, in perils by the wilderness, in perils by the sea, in perils amongst false brethren. That's just some of them. If you read that chapter, Paul goes on and on and on about the different things he suffered just being a Christian. Being a Christian is going to bring perils to our lives. I don't care what age you live in. Are you following me? That's just a normal part of life. But our scripture is talking about a specific portion of time. It's talking about a future event, a future space and time. And Paul labels these times perilous times. He's not talking about a perilous event. He's talking about perilous times. That's a dispensation of time. And according to the message of Brother Brown said, you and I are living in that dispensation. Now, I want you to watch this. Paul is talking about future events. A time or a day that the Bible describes as a great deception. What's going to make these times that we're living in so dangerous is deception has been ever since the Garden of Eden. There's never been an age since man has been on the earth that it has not been an age of deception. But our age is prophesied to be the greatest age of deception the world has ever seen. And because of the height of deception, the height of perils become even more dangerous. Are you following me? My title is, Living in perilous times or overcoming perilous times. Now let's trace this condition that Paul is talking about. Let's start with the seed. Paul begins to identify these perilous times in the book of 2 Thessalonians. If you look at that, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we begin to watch how this deceit that Paul is identifying as perilous times, watch how this deceit starts and then watch how it unfolds and watch how it builds and it builds and it builds. Because if you look at our scriptural text, as bad as those personalities or character traits sounded, Paul was not identifying those character traits in the world. Paul was saying those same spirits will abide in those that call themselves the church of the living God. Why? Because they weren't able to identify the age correctly in which they were living because they couldn't identify the spirits that were working in that age. Watch what he says here, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. As Paul begins to describe this, verse 1, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, neither as by letter from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Now watch how he begins to identify the danger. Let no man deceive you by any means. So Paul is not mixing any words about what the danger is going to be. The danger is going to be a deception, and he identifies how the deception is going to come. It's not going to come by some UFO that they're watching the skies now trying to figure out what are all these things that's flying through the sky. It's going to come on two feet. It's going to come in the form of a man. Let no man deceive by any means, for that day shall not come except they come a fallen away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, or that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So now Paul is taking his deceit, and he's bringing it down to a man. And now he's taking a man, and he's not placing a man as communist. He's not placing a man as a political figure. He's placing a man where? He's saying this great height of deception is going to come right in the midst of the church. 
take that back to 2 Thessalonians, or 2 Corinthians, or 2 or Timothy, excuse me. Where are perilous times? What was the warning? Not the warning outside. The warning was to beware of what's inside. But let me keep reading. Showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now watch the seat. Watch this deceit. Paul begins to label it. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Paul's warning to the church was a record to watch for what was coming. But at the time he reveals the spirit of the seat was already present at the time of the writing of his letter. Paul said the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now let him let until he be taken out of the way. So Paul says the spirit is already working. But what I'm reading to you is when it comes to his height, it's going to be in the last age. And that's the age in which you and I are living. Are you following me? Now watch how Paul puts this. He's talking about the church. and He's talking about a spirit of deceit. And he labels it the mystery of iniquity. Watch what Brother Bramble says about this iniquity. In the message, the first seal, he says, oh, let's read a scripture. Would you like to put down some scriptures? Let's take 2 Thessalonians. He's going to the same scripture that I just read you that Paul wrote, 2 Thessalonians. Brother Bam said, let's go there for just a moment and look for a minute. It's such a beautiful picture here. I like it. Let's see. Yes, 2 Thessalonians. And I want to read the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians and the seventh verse. 2 Thessalonians 2.7. I think that's right. Now I'm writing it down, quivering and shaking. Oh, yes. He says, the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who? He that letteth. See, it's a mystery. The mystery of iniquity way back there in the first church age. Here is Paul writing, saying that the mystery of iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is something that you know you ought to do. And oh, that you are not to do and you do it anyhow. So now the iniquity that he's identifying is not the iniquity of the world. He's identifying the iniquity of the church. The church is actually engaged in things that the word has forbid her to get involved with. But somehow or another, she's fixing her mind that it's okay for her to do that, even though the word has forbid her to do it. Are you following me? This is the iniquity we're talking about. We're not talking about sin in the world. We're talking about the iniquity that abides within the framework of the church. Now, watch how he reads this. He said, what is iniquity? Iniquity is something that you know you ought not to do. You do it anyhow. When Paul said here in such of the earth today, workers of iniquity. We're going to get into that. Let's read that just a piece, just a little, in just a minute. Start up a little further. Brother Bam now goes, let's go to the third verse. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except they come a falling away first, and that man, M-A-N, man of sin, be revealed, the son of perdition. Is that right? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, remitting sins. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Brother Man said, Oh, how I would have liked to sit under some of that teaching, wouldn't you? He said, Now you know what withhold it. Listen, that he might be revealed in his time. Now watch what the prophet says about this. Now then, see, not then. Even though the mystery started in the first church age, Brother Bam said he'll not be revealed then. 
But in his time, see, at the breaking of those seals. So we really don't know the fullness of this mystery that Paul is writing about. We don't know the fullness of perilous times or times that Paul is writing about. We don't come to a full understanding of these things until the end time at the breaking of those seals. Now watch what he says. We know exactly what it was. Who is this man of sin iniquity? Who is this man of sin? That fellow, what's the working of iniquity? But he be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Abraham says, deceive us, you see, deceiving the people off into something else. Only he, that is God, that letteth will let until he, the church, Christ, the bride, be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. Brother Abraham said, when? At the breaking of the seal. At his time, Paul said, not in my time, but in that time, he'll be revealed. See, when the Lord shall consume with the, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, where are we going to get that after a while and the spirit of his mouth? Watch what that is and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, him, hmm, him, a man whose working is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Here we go again. He's identifying his mystery or he's identifying his tactic. It's going to be deception. Deceiving people by unrighteousness in them that perish, but not the bride in them that are looking for such a thing. Because they receive, listen, not the love of the truth. Now, this is why I said all I have to get down to this point. Now, watch what Brother Bram says. And Christ is the truth, and Christ is the word, but they'd rather have a creed. Uh-huh, see, that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, I want to say this, and I don't have time to go into this tonight, but we're living in a time of a lie. It's a great deception, and I'm not talking about politics, so put that out of your mind. The lie I'm talking about is the lie that Satan is putting over this entire world in every corner of the earth. He's doing it in politics. He's doing it in religion. He's doing it in all kinds of things. He's putting forth a lie. Why? Because he's deceiving his generation, making them do things that are contrary to the word. But Brother Bapp said, but not the bride. Why? Because you and I have been given the word to expose what he's doing that we can recognize his hand and not be a partaker in what he's sending forth upon the earth in his hour you and i are supposed to separate ourselves by the revelation of the word for your day now watch what he says all that to build up to this brother bram said that they should believe a lie it should be translated there and i looked it up in the lexicon brother bram said it should be translated the lie not a lie the lie, the same one he told Eve. So now Brother Adam is now taking that seed of iniquity that started in that first age, and he's showing how it's going to come to a climax of the man of sin in his last age, and that climax can't be revealed or exposed until the seals are open. But then he takes it back and says, I'm going to show you one other thing. It didn't just start in Paul's age. He goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden that Satan and Eve, and he said, we're now witnessing the same lie in our generation, the same lie he told Eve. It's not a lie is the lie. It's not a different lie. It's the same lie. But you and I, by the revelation of the word, are supposed to recognize a lie. But the only way you can recognize a lie is you got to know the truth. Without having something to compare it to, you'll be deceived just like everybody else. I'll be deceived like everybody else. But if we got something to compare the lie to, then we can expose it for what it really is. Truth exposed it. Brother Mountain said, not a lie, but the lie. The same one he told Eve. Now watch what the prophet is saying. 
He lied to Eve about eating a tree or not to eat a tree. But the prophet said it's the lie of this last age will be the same lie. We're not worrying about somebody telling us eat of this tree or eat of that tree, not in a literal sense. But what we're recognizing is what he told Eve when he gave Eve the lie was Eve had a message for her age. You may eat of every tree in the midst of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou should not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou should surely die. Brother Bram said the message of age was only one verse, and that woman could not keep one verse of scripture showing it's not in man to be able to live the word by his own ability. Are you following me? It's going to take something greater than our own ability. It's going to take something greater than our own effort. What is it going to take, Brother Mike? It's going to take the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you to be able to stand the lie when it comes up. That revelation gives you something to compare what you're seeing and know whether it's right or know whether it's wrong. Without that revelation, you're presuming. But with the revelation, you know exactly what you're looking at. When Brother Branham got out there at a sermon, it wasn't just him. I didn't guess and said, oh, young man, I see your situation. I think. Let me get a seat. Let me see. You like a man in might. You might have that. No, he didn't do that. There was a pill of fire that came down and revealed him first before he ever spoke. So when he spoke to the man, he wasn't presuming nothing. He was telling him exactly what he was looking at. When they came on a platform and somebody had a vision and he said, lady, I see you were nine years old. You were running the field. You had on such a dress. He wasn't presuming nothing. He was literally looking at something. And because he could see it, he could speak matter of factly about what he was looking at. And when the bride can look at this word and not presume nothing, but know exactly what you're reading, know exactly what you're looking at. Then when Satan brings the lie, you know how to conf- confront it. Why? Because you know it by comparing it with the word. If Eve would have only compared what Satan brought her with the word by a revelation, you and I would not be sitting here right now when bodies in need medical attention. We would not be not tonight having to preach against sin. We're now not having to be praying for lost loved ones in the world. Loved ones now in hospitals suffering with COVID. We wouldn't have to pray for those things. Why? But because one person didn't have the revelation to look at sin and compare it by the word and make the difference. That's what brought the first sin. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. We're not fighting like Eve was against a physical tree. Neither did she. We know by the message she wasn't fighting a physical tree either. But her message said, don't eat of that tree. It was a tree of knowledge. And you and I now are put on the same basis. We can take God's word for what the word has said. Or we can rely on some other knowledge. Are you following me? And Brother Brown said, if you're looking for knowledge, Satan is waiting right now to give it to you. But let me keep going. Let's watch this for a minute. The tree that she ate from, the Bible referred to as a tree of knowledge. A knowledge that would exalt herself above the word for her age. Let's look at an example of, uh, of uh, Micaiah the prophet in the days of Elijah. When Micaiah was in the land at that time, God had sent a messenger. His name was Elijah. And at that time, there was a deceitful spirit going through the land. And I want you to understand, it was a lying spirit. It didn't have a lie. It had the lie. What was the lie? The lie was the same lie that he told Eve, trying to get the person from believing the message of their age. Once the message of the age is going forth, listen, God can't take that message back. 
Whatever that messenger preached, God is now obligated because if God sent that man, he's obligated to back up the message he gave that man because it's not the man's message. The man only brought you, thus said the Lord for your age. And so no matter what Eve wanted to have happen, once she compromised the word, God said the day you eat thereof, the day you shall die, God was obligated to keep that word. Good or bad, he was obligated to keep it. And so when Elijah came, Elijah had preached a message and he had condemned that generation. And not only that generation, but specifically he had condemned Ahab in the house of Ahab. And he told Ahab what was going to happen to him. And Ahab was doomed to fulfill that prophecy. Why? It was thus said the Lord. So I don't care how many preachers they had in the land that could come to the pulpit and preach to Ahab's people. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Your king is blessed. Is blessed. Is blessed. You're going to have great victory. I don't care how many prophets prophesied that. It could not undo what God had already spoken by a vindicated messenger, Elijah the prophet. So now you got Micaiah, one man in that generation, who was holding on to what Elijah preached. Now, I'm not saying he was the only man because the Bible tells us there was 7,000 that day. But here's one preacher that we knew that stood up against that generation. And I want you to watch what that generation faced. And I want you to see what you're facing. I want you to see what I'm facing. It's the same lying spirits that's coming against the word of your age. Watch what he says. And Brother Brown preached in the at the end time. Brother Brown said, a lying spirit came up out of hell. And went upon his knees and said unto God, if you will permit me, I can give them my anointing, make them do any kind of sign or wonder. Now, I want you to notice this. Even though these people are lying, they're not staying with the word. It doesn't mean they won't have signs and wonders. In the age we live in, what makes the deception so deceitful is because they will preach a lie and have signs and wonders. That's what makes it so deceitful. Are you following me? But watch what he says. He said, give them any kind of size of wonder just as long as I get them off of the word. The same thing that Satan told Eve in the lie in the garden, the same thing Paul wondered about in the mysteries of iniquity, is the same thing that Micaiah the prophet was facing in his age when Ahab came to him and said, I want you to prophesy concerning my visit down the battle. And Micaiah said, oh, go prosper and live forever, O king. He said, how many times have I called you and you never told me nothing but dust of the Lord? He said, oh, now I'm just blessing you, king, because you're the king. I want to see you prosper. I don't want to see you fail. But if you want to know what God said, I'll have to pray about that. I'll have to go to God, listen, and get my revelation to be able to tell you what's going to happen in this battle. God said you're going to end in defeat, but he didn't say it was this battle. You might do good in this battle. It might be the next battle you're in the defeat. But if you want to know what's going to happen in this battle, let me pray about it. And Micaiah went to prayer before God. And when he began to prayer, you know what Micaiah got? He got a personal revelation. What was his personal revelation? He got the same revelation Elijah got. Elijah said, Ahab is going to die in battle. And when he dies in battle, the dogs will lick his blood. And when Micaiah got in the spirit and began to pray, he was trying to figure out, he said, well, maybe these prophets could be right. 400 of them said, you're going to prosper, you're going to prosper. Maybe he will prosper the battle. I don't know. He's the king. I like to see my nation get back that which they lost. Any man wants to see his nation prosper if he's a man that loves his country. But when he got in the prayer and God began to reveal to him, what did he reveal to them? These men ain't prophesying according to me. These men are all anointed by lying spirit and they're prophesying not a lie, but the lie. What they're preaching is absolutely contrary to what Elijah has already preached. 
And when Micaiah came out of that prayer meeting with God, he could say nothing but what God has showed him. And that's one thing that's lacking in the church today. We've got to get more sincere before God and get more time in prayer and say, Lord, what does your message say about this age? What does your message say about this nation? What does your message say about me? And find that personal revelation. And when you come out with that, I don't care what Satan says. You've got a revelation to compare his lie to. And these 400 men lying that they were going to prosper. And here comes Micaiah. And they said, Micaiah, we gave you 24 hours. What did you get in prayer? <laughs> Watch what he says. He won't even, speaking this lying spirit, he won't even know that that hour, that that. He won't even know that that is your word. He'll ignore it for popularity. Brother Bram said, brother, times hasn't changed. Brother Neville, that's true. You remember, that's true. I'll get up on him and make him do the same thing that the rest of them does. I'll make him prophesy and tell a lie. How could it be a lie? Because it was contrary to the word. What Micaiah saw was these people were prophesying contrary to Elijah's message, but yet his vision or his revelation was perfectly in line with Elijah's message. So how is he going to separate himself and not be a part of the lie? How is he going to separate himself and not be a part of the lie of his age was because he heard the message of his age, and then when he got his own personal revelation, his revelation lined up perfectly with that message he had already preached. Let me keep reading. You take any of these false prop, these false baptisms, false so-and-so, I don't care how real it sounds, how much they try to impersonate. If it's a lie, if it's contrary, it's a lie if it's contrary to God's word of this hour. Brother Bram said, that's exactly. You see, well, we did this, or we do this, or our church is this way or that. Brother Bram says, I don't care what it is, if it's contrary to the written word For the hour, it's a lie. Now, I want you to understand these perilous times. The perilous times is not because our age is going to be the first age that has to face this lie. That don't make our times perilous. What makes it perilous is because there's going to be so many false prophets, Brother Bram said, that are going to be so close to the truth. So close to the truth in our age that it would deceive the very elect if it were possible. What are you saying, Brother Mike? Brother Bram said, this age, the believer has to be more on his toes than any other age. We shouldn't come into church taking church lightly. We shouldn't take our prayer life lightly. We shouldn't take our time with God lightly because you're living in perilous times. And the only thing that will keep you in perilous times is the revelation of the word for your age. What is Satan trying to do with the ministry? I'm a minister. I can speak from that perspective. The same thing he's doing with the laity. You're not facing any battle that we're not facing, and we're not facing the battle you're not facing. We're facing the same devil. We're facing the same spirit of Laodicea. And what is the spirit of Laodicea? It's a lukewarm spirit. What it wants to do, it doesn't want you to go back in the world because you know better than that. All of a sudden, something will shake you. You say, what am I doing? But it wants you to get just warm enough, just cool enough, where you're not on fire for this gospel, and you get comfortable in the life that you live instead of pressing toward that mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. You get comfortable, and when you do, you get relaxed. And when you do, you're not prepared to face the lie when it comes to you toe-to-toe and face-to-face. Watch what Brother Bram says this. In the message, Satan's eating. Brother Bram says, pardon me for a minute while I pull this up. Satan's eating. 
Brother Bama says, if I don't find it, I may have to quote it to you. Brother Bama says, now he said he would exalt himself, speaking of Satan, above the most high. He would ascend above the clouds and the stars, and he would sit, he would sit there like God and be above the most high. And he has succeeded in carrying out his threats. Watch how he succeeded. He has certainly succeed. He has he certainly has a marvelous success in carrying out his threats by letting by the people letting him explain away in every age the value of God's promised word to that age. Every age, the lie was the same thing. Explain away the promise. Let the people get comfortable with church. Let them get comfortable with worshiping God. Let them get comfortable with sacrifices. Let them recognize the word of Jehovah says, offer me a lamb. And in the book of Isaiah, they offer a lamb every year on the same date at the same time. They always had a lamb. As a matter of fact, they started preparing that lamb days before the event because they realized the atonement is coming. The atonement is coming. And according to the law of Moses, we're to offer a lamb. And Brother Brown said that God looked out upon that and said, your sacrifice and your new moons has become a stench in my nostril. Why? He said, because you're doing it, but you're not doing it with the real zeal of revelation of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. You're only going through the motions. And God said, I don't like that. That's not my. My people, my people live by faith. There's a revelation of what they're doing and there's a revelation on why they're doing it. Cain could offer a sacrifice, but there was no revelation on what he was doing or why he was doing it. But by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Why? He knew what he was doing and he knew why he was doing it. And when a person takes the word of God and they get cool to the point where they lose the revelation of what they're doing and why they're doing it, all of a sudden what it brings is a lukewarm condition. And if God rejected the lukewarm condition in the Old Testament, could he accept it in the New Testament and still be Jehovah God? There's no way he can do it. So when Laodicea came to that lukewarm condition, the same way Isaiah rebuked Israel in the book of Isaiah, are you following me, was the same way that the master of this age had to rebuke Laodicea because they were doing the same thing thing and when the church got lukewarm it was that lack of revelation it was that lukewarm condition that allowed these perilous times to become more dangerous because now the people didn't have the revelation by holding up the guard of the word they no longer had the power of revelation to look at sin and identify it for what it really was you can have a sister act a certain way dress a certain way they make an excuse for it they have a minister act a certain way and do a certain thing. They make an excuse for it. Everything they have in the church, there was an excuse for it. Nobody took the word and held the word and said, well, what does the word say about it? When Ahab wanted to go to battle, all he had to do was find a scripture that fit his desire. But that scripture was contrary to the promise of his age. That was for another situation. That was not for Ahab. But Micaiah didn't hold up the word according to what he wanted. He held the word according to what God had already spoken. You see how you overcome perilous times? There's got to be a people somewhere that actually has seen God's word, heard God's word, believed God's word, and said, that's it. And everything they see, everything they hear, everything they expect, everything they believe, they're judging it in the light of that word. And if it don't match that, then get away from it. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch how simple it was. I want you to watch how simple it was. Satan tries the same tactic, the lie in every age. And what is it? 
not to allow the people to have a form. Eve had a form. It was a fig leaf. Cain had a form. It was fruit. Are you following me? Israel had a form, and Brother Brown said, and their form, listen, was actually the word that Jehovah required. Well, if they were offering the form exactly the way God required it, then why would Jehovah say it's a stink? He said, because they lost the sincerity behind what they were doing. God never wanted sacrifice. He wanted a broken spirit and a contrite heart that feared and trembled at his word. That's what God wanted. And the sacrifice was only an outward expression of what was already in that believer's heart. But when that believer's heart got cold before God, even though they kept doing the same sacrifice, God said, I don't receive it no more. It wasn't the sacrifice that had changed. It was the heart's condition of the people. They lost the revelation of what they were doing. What is Laodicea coming into? Lukewarm. She's there. She's not coming. She's there. What are you fighting? Lukewarm. What's Brother Mike fighting? Lukewarm. What's Brother Barry fighting? Lukewarm. But there's a people pressing. They feel the spirit coming at them, but they got a word to say, not me, Satan, not this age, because why? God has sent me as a witness in his age to have somebody that'll stand to the truth. And I don't care how long it takes him to bring it to pass. I will not bend, I will not bow, and I will not break. When Daniel got down into Babylon, what did Daniel do? They said, well, Daniel, the food of the Babylonians is rich in minerals. It's high in proteins. Makes you grow strong. Gives you energy to make it through the day. Daniel said, well, pork might be high in protein, but my God told me not to eat it. So even the food I eat, I analyze according to the word. Why? I'm a believer. I don't know why pork is bad. I don't know what's wrong with pork. They said, this is not my job to know what's wrong with pork. All I know is he told me, if you see pork, don't eat it. It ain't my job to know why a woman has to dress a certain way. It ain't my job to know why a man got to act a certain way. It ain't my job to know that. But it's my job to know what he said about it. And then once I see what he said about it, it's my job to obey that. Why? Because I'm a believer. He rewards those that obey his word. And when Daniel obeyed that one scripture, what he should eat. He said, I tell you what, king. You let me eat this 10 days or how many days the Bible said. I forgot the exact number of days. You let me eat these number of days and you let your man eat your high protein pork. And you come back and judge us in 10 days and see who is the healthiest of the group. And when the king came back and looked at Daniel and those, those Hebrew boys, why? They were healthier than the king's men. Why? Because they were obeying God's word and God rewarded their faith. There's a bride right now that's staying true to this word. We have our faults. We have our fails. We have our ups. We have our downs. Brother Bram said, don't look at that. He said, if you're a believer, you're going to have your ups and your downs. It's not your ups and your downs that God's looking at. He said, that's that heart's condition that he's watching. That's what you're trying to do for the kingdom of God. Any man that tries to do something is going to have mistakes. Any man that tries to do something is going to have failures. But any man that stays with the word of God, God, Brother Bram said, is obligated to that man to see him through. Why? Because his heart's condition is right. Even David, when he killed Bathsheba's husband. And took his wife, as wrong as he was, when he repented, God said, because your heart's right, even though you've done wrong and conceived iniquity, God said, I'll blot out your transgressions, and I'll not impute your iniquities to you. That's the grace of God to a believer. Not because of his works, but because of his heart's condition. You see what I'm getting at? 
We're fighting something this age. It's a perilous time. But I want to sign the good news. You've been given what you need to overcome in perilous times. Let me keep going. I want you to watch this. Watch what happened to Israel when she was having her, her battle, when she was, when she was uh, compromising, if I could put it that way, on the word. Watch what Brother Bram said about Israel. Brother Bram said in the message, pardon, 1963, traditions in them days, the great prophet cried out, he said, your traditions are powerless. They stink before me, have no faith in them. The people was offering these offerings without even having faith in what they were doing. You see what made it cold and formless? It wasn't a lack of the word, but it was their faith in what the word was actually requiring. They weren't worshiping Jehovah in zeal and in revelation and in confidence. They were only going through the motions and it became a form. What did Paul warn about in 2 Timothy chapter 3? They would have a form of godliness. Brother Bram said they would be doing what God asked them to do just like Israel did. But they lost the revelation or the sincerity that goes with what they were doing. Let me keep reading. The people was offering the offerings without even having the faith in what they were doing. Now let's ask ourselves the question, isn't that the same thing like today? As bad as we hate to say it, we've got to face the facts somewhere. Why are the churches getting cold? Now, I want you to watch this. I want you to be real careful to understand what I'm saying. Around the message, we're all fighting the same spirit. I'm not talking about so much assemblies anymore. Brother Brandon made it real plain. God's not coming for no certain assembly. I don't care how cold my assembly gets. I don't care how cold anybody else's assembly I'm not talking about assemblies anymore. There's a spirit of age that's going to come down, and the majority of the people, guess what, are not going to overcome in these perilous times because they're not going to have the revelation to compare what they're experiencing with the Word. So when you're going to have a revelation to compare with the Word, you can't do nothing but what Eve did. And what did she do? She fell back on her reasoning. You have no choice. Without a revelation, you're going to use something. And if you don't have a revelation, it's in the nature of man to fall back on his intellect because that's all he's ever known. And we're taught our intellect with the word will not work. What are you preaching, Brother Mike? Let's get more sincere. Let's find a channel, a prayer closet, a place with God where we could be like Mike Micaiah. We say, Lord, I've heard what the prophet said. I see the condition, but I can't say for sure, thus said the Lord, he's going to die in this battle. It might not be this battle. It might be the next battle. I can't say for sure. But I do know that the prophecy sounds something like this. But I've got to have a certainty before I can go out there and not be deceived and lie like those other men. I've got to have something in myself to let me know what am I seeing and how does it compare with the word. And he got sincere in prayer. And what happened? God met him. Daniel had the same experience. Daniel chapter 9. When Daniel was in Babylon and he got real sincere and he read by the books, as Jeremiah said, you're going to be there 70 years. And Daniel began to count on his fingers and toes. He said, 68 years. We got two years left. Lord, is it time to go home? What day is it? 
and he got sincere, recognizing how close the time was, and he got on his knees and prayed for 21 days and didn't get a breakthrough. And Brother Bam said, we pray one hour. No breakthrough. We said, Lord, I tried. I got at least going to be plus on that. I tried for an hour. 21 days. Coming back to that same creek, that same river, asking God the same thing. Lord, I just read something in your word. And if my fingers and toes are right, it's been 68 years. I'm, 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 I'm going to be about an 80-something-year-old man. But will I live to see us get out of here? Is it that close, Lord, I'm going to live to see us get out of here? He got serious about the thing. And when he did, God sent an angel and said, go meet him. And when that angel came down, he said, Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. Your prayers came to heaven, and God heard your request. Why? Because you were reading the word. You were taking, you had enough concern about your age. You had enough concern about your condition and your generation. You wouldn't know where you were. So you went right to the words of the prophet and you began to read. And when you saw this, something struck you. That was my spirit. Opening your eyes to how close your going home was. And it put such a burden on you, it began to shake that Babylonian spirit. And you got sincere and prayer saying, I'm coming out of Babylon. I'm going to leave this city where all these devils are crying. I'm going down by the Rook Shabal, and I'm going to get down there on my knees. And I'm going to pray until I get something from God. And there was another man in the Bible. His name was Jacob. Jacob had a promise. Esau had sold him a birthright. But he hadn't felt no blessings. He hadn't felt no anointings of God. He ain't seen no angels. He ain't seen no great supernatural in that sense. He cheated on some, some animals and got some blessing and stole some cattle, but he hadn't seen nothing real powerful. But all of a sudden, when the hour of his desperation came upon him, he began to recognize, I better get serious about this thing. I'm in perilous times. What's your perilous time? Esau's coming, and he's looking for one person. Me. The son of perdition is here. And Satan is about to incarnate him. But the Bible says before he can incarnate him, something has to happen first. Before the man of sin can be revealed, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Brother Bram said he is God. And he is God Christ in the bride form. She has to be taken away. Because the same way God would not allow Esau in his perilous times to lay a hand of harm upon Jacob. Jacob was the promised. He was the anointed. He had the birthright. He was the blessed of God. And God was not going to allow Esau to have it. But what had to happen for Jacob to get his blessing? It was his promise. It was the age. It was perilous times. But what was Jacob's part in all of this? He had to get desperate. He had to recognize, I'm living in perilous times, and I can't keep being a shyster. I can't keep being lukewarm. At some point in time, i got to get down to business with God and claim and see my promise for myself. And when that boy got on his knees down by that river, just like Daniel did, and began to pray, and he said, I'm not leaving this spot until you meet me. And boy, when he got like that, God came down. And the angel met and said, what do you want? Why are you calling me down out of heaven? He said, I need you. I'm in perilous times. I got Esau coming after me. 
I said, I'm sent my kids. That ain't helping. I'm sent my wife. That ain't helping. I ain't having a few dollars. I cheated on my father-in-law. I don't sent that to him. That ain't helping. If I, if I meet him like this, he's going to kill me. He said, Jacob, thou prince with God. Thou art no more Jacob. Thou art Israel. A prince with power before God. Rise to your feet. Go in anointing of my might. Esau, thy brother, shall not lay a hand upon thee. And when he walked up before Esau, he was limping. But Ramsey had a different walk. It wasn't that shyster kind of walk no more. God had changed him. In one moment meeting with God, God changed him. Now he was ready to face perilous times. No matter what Esau had with him, 10,000, 20,000, the number of troops didn't matter. He had the word. The word said, he'll not lay a hand of harm upon thee, for thou art prince with power before God. And when he saw Esau, Esau fell on his neck and cried and said, Jacob, my brother. Why? He had prayed through. He had a revelation from God concerning his own affairs. What am I trying to say, church? I hope my message is very simple tonight. We were in prayerless times. We can take this message and we can enjoy the seven seals and explain every horse rider. But where does that place you? We can love the church ages. And I can tell you every church age messenger. I can tell you the dates of the ages. I can tell you what cities they were born in. I can tell you everything about them. What good does that do me? If that's my ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. If I can't take all of that and come to the revelation of who I am and what age I'm living in and know what the life of my age is and how I'm going to withstand that life. If I don't come to that, all of that does me no good. I'm ever learning. I'm cold. I'm formal. I'm powerless. Why? I don't know what God can do for me. I can tell you what God did for Brother Branham. I can tell you what God did for Brother Source over in Africa. I can tell you what God did for Brother Barry. I can tell you what God's doing over here. But what is God doing for me? Where's my revelation of what this means to Michael Holloway in the time in which I'm living that could give me such confidence that when the squeeze comes, listen, church, I want you to understand something. I can smile. Say, bring it on. I've been waiting for this hour. You have not taken me by surprise. Brother Mike, they're taking your house. Bring it on. They've taken your bank accounts and shut it down. Bring it on. Brother Bram said the church is always at her greatest power when she's under persecution. Why? Because she has no place else to turn but her God. As long as she thinks she can fend for herself, she can go to work and pay the bills and have something to eat and drive a newer car when the time is there, comes to trade that one in. She's fine. She's lukewarm. But when perilous times get close enough and you realize where you're living and you realize where you live is not going to get you, get you out of here, you get serious. And I believe right now there's a people that's feeling oppressed. Oh, yeah, I remember years ago, I'll tell you this, I'm going to reclose. Musicians could come. I remember years ago, I was in my house. My wife and I were renting before we bought. It's maybe 20 years ago. I like red velvet cake. As a matter of fact, I like anything with sugar in it. Pie, cake, ice cream. If it's got enough sugar in it, it can't be bad. <laughs> it might be bad for you, but it can't be bad. But I like red velvet cake. And somebody had baked me one. I don't know if my wife or friend, I don't know. Sometimes I used to buy them from people. If you bake river cakes, I buy them. I say, you bake me one, I pay you. I like river cakes. I had one, wherever I got it from. And I come home from church one night. 
I don't know if I preached. Probably hadn't. Back then I was a young minister. I didn't preach a whole lot back then. I just kind of was just young in ministry. And I come home after the Sunday night service. And I got home. I sat in my living room. I went to the kitchen first and cut me a slice of red baby cake and got me a cold glass of milk. And I was getting ready to have a good time. I sat on my sofa and I was happy. And I looked at that big slice of cake. I mean, it was a big slice. I didn't play. Like Brother Brown said, I didn't play with that. I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> and when I looked at that cake, something said to me, something's wrong with this. You're too at ease. I'm not saying don't enjoy your favorite slice of cake. I'm not saying don't go enjoy time at your favorite place to take a vacation with your family. I'm not saying that. But don't let it begin to become comfortable. So comfortable that you lose sight of the danger of the perilous times you're living in. And this feeling came up on me before I put my fork in that cake. Something said, this is too easy. And I had to sit that fork down. And that joy that I had just a moment ago began to fade. Oh, I ate my cake. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm going to tell you that right now. I ate my cake. <laughs> but something came over me. Don't get comfortable with this. You can just let the little things in this life become so comfortable to you that Satan begins to take away the real meaning of why you're here. The scripture we read said men become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There's nothing wrong with my red velvet cake. But if I start looking forward to that more than I do spend the time with God, I miss something. If I can come out of church and I'm more excited about my red velvet cake than the word I just heard, something's wrong with that. You see what I'm getting at? And that feeling came over me and I, to this night, I ain't never forgot it. Don't get too comfortable in this age. There's some days I'm more on fire. There's some days I'm struggling saying, Lord, I don't even like Brother Bram say, you wonder whether you're still a Christian. It just feels so distant. You feel so cold. But something inside says, raise up. Brother Bram said, faith's got hair on his chest. Raise up. Get on your feet. Let's start walking again. And you do what you got to do. You pray more if you got to. You fast more if you got to. You read Bible more if you got to. Whatever you got to do, play a song of joy. That you heard from the church and you go back and stream a song and say, I love that song the brother closed with tonight. Go back and put that on. There's a church service I listened to. I streamed out of Columbia a couple of weeks ago. And that song service so blessed me, I go back to it and play it like a CD. I just go back and play the song service. I just love the way that brother worshiped that morning. Are you following me? Whatever to keep me in the atmosphere of God. Whatever to keep my mind in the right frame that I don't get so preoccupied with this world, I lose sight of what's really most important. And that's the word of this age. And not just the letter of it, but let it become a personal revelation. Then you can discern what's in front of you. If it don't match that revelation, leave it alone. And if that revelation don't match the word, then you leave that revelation alone. Are you following me? Let's bow our heads. Overcoming perilous times. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for meeting with us here tonight, Lord. Lord, I thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for these people, Lord, that have given you their attention. Not Brother Mike, their attention. They gave you their attention. And I believe you spoke back. I'm asking, Lord, that you'll help us tonight. Not leave here taking lightly what was said. 
but God may it stir our hearts. May it give us zeal. Give us zeal. Stir us, Lord. Lord, to want to serve you more, to want to give thanks to you more, to want to testify of your kindness. Lord, I pray you just bless this assembly, bless this pastor, especially now as he's traveling on the fields. Lord, I pray you be with him. Give him traveling mercy, prosperous journey. And Lord, may you take care of the sheep in his absence. May he come back and find him well-fed and stronger, O God, when he returns. Lord, care for each one of us. Lord, we need you. We recognize we're in perilous times. And Lord, it takes a personal revelation to overcome these times. It's okay to say what the preachers say. It's okay to even say what the prophets said. But let us be like Micaiah. Let it become our revelation that we can know how to compare what's before us and speak exactly with the same authority the prophet spoke it. Lord, I thank you. If there's anything that is our prayer tonight, just where you're sitting right now, just lift your hand before God. Just high prayer for anything. God bless you. God bless you. Let's bow his. Lord, we see the hands that went up. You know the needs. You know what every person has desire in their heart. God, may you grant them that desire. May you look upon right now with the eyes of grace. Lord, forgiving sins, looking past our shortcomings, but looking to our needs. Meet them according to those needs, according to your word. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Give us a song, please.
continuation from this weekend about just making sure things are personal. Let's uh, sing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We'll just sing a couple more songs here before we leave for the evening and dismiss. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in His one
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. 
eyes of my heart I want to see you Oh, I want to see you Just sing that again Oh, God, just open the eyes of my heart, Lord, just open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, I want to see you. Oh, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, eyes of my heart I want to see you yes I want to see you to see you high and lifted up oh shining in the light of your glory out your power and love as we sing holy 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 and holy 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 I want to see you yes I Just open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Just open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. Yes, we want to see you. Oh, God, open the eyes our hearts, Lord, just open the eyes of our hearts, we want to see you, we want to see you, oh, we want to see you, to see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory And pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy Yes, holy, holy, holy I and then we'll dismiss in a word of prayer. Let's sing that song all as well. All is well Yes, all is well
God's grace as you are dismissed this evening. Oh, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace.
No 